praise the Lord, folks. Sure good to see you this morning. Thank God. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here too, praise God. And so we are glad Jesus is here also. He comes to supply needs today, as always. That has been what he has always done. I'm very happy, very happy to be here. You may be seated. Praise God. This morning before day, I was um, walking about the church here and praying. And um, as always, when uh, I do that, when I have the wonderful privilege of being here in Lake Charles, I am so impressed by something about this church, the uh, massiveness of it, the the. outlay, the design, and um, the big uh, area that the whole program covers, and I just, uh, I thought to myself, well, this, this is my church, this is my church, amen, I want it to do good, I want uh, it to grow, I want just uh, the blessings of God to be on it, yes sir, my church, because we are one family in the Lord, and God loves us, and thank God he has a great uh, design for us. I want to uh, speak objectively here today. Uh, When I was 70 years old, I felt impressed of God to resign the church that I was pastoring, and I felt impressed of God to cease from organizational work, and uh, that was through over with me, and so... I forthrightly tried to take care of that, resigned the church, and I also (laughs) removed myself from the office which I held, and uh, felt good about it, felt I was in the will of God, and then not long after that, oh, about a week while I was in the prayer room, uh, before day, quite a while before day, and I was talking to the Lord, not scared, not worried, in the will of God, and... As I prayed, uh, the Lord spoke to me deep inside, and he said, if you will do this, this, and this, I will do this, this, and this in your life. And so deep down, I knew that was true, that assurance, and I rejoiced in it, and thank God, and in time, I went home. It was still dark, still before day, and uh, made some coffee and sat down with my Bible, the quietness of the house. And I no sooner sat down, the phone rang, and I thought, who could be calling this early in the morning? Still dark outside. And it's a male voice. I did not recognize it. And the address was simply, Brother Pugh, you don't know me. We've never met. I've heard you preach a couple of times. And uh, I'm known as Brother Sam. I go to church uh, in Bolger City at church pastor by Brother Dean, Jerry Dean. And uh, I'm not after any brownie buttons. I'm a working man. My lunch is packed right here beside me, and I'm fixing to pick it up, walk out the door, and go to work. But as I was praying this morning, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to do this, this, and this in the life of J.T. Pugh. And I thought I ought to call you. So I got information and got your number. And so that's, I'm, I just thought I ought, I'll tell you that. 
And I said, Brother Sam, what time was that that uh, you, the Lord spoke to you? And he told me, and I said, I received very verbatim for what you say, because at the same time, 450 miles west of where you were, the Lord was saying the same thing to me. And uh, I do not come this morning simply to preach a sermon. I come to be a channel of God to uh, further his particular purpose in some life, in some home, and uh, in the church, the living God. May all obstruction be removed. and May all personal uh, preferences that uh, tend to self be taken away. I've talked to God about that just now. I said, none of self, Lord, but all of you. Not of self, but all of you. I want to talk here this morning, Lord willing, about seasons of life. I feel so honored to be in this pulpit. I love this family very, very much. Thank God for your leadership here, and thank God for you. I read scripture today found in uh, 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse uh, 6, the seasons of life. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. I have finished. Verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly to me. This was the last letter and the last few words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Bring him with you, for he is profitable. Verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Finally, Verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. Those were the last communicative words that he, the man wrote. The rest of it was simply the closing of his letter. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Well, lots of things in life, it's simply before winter or it's never. <clears throat> and life is made up of segregated time frames. We call them seasons as far as the, uh, the climate is concerned. But there are sections that are in life, and they follow one another in their proper sequence. There are certain things that are supposed to be done, inserted into the panorama of life and those particular times. And <clears throat> to follow out God's plan, receiving His direction and His emphasis is extremely important. This text uh, here, John, the 19th chapter, verse 30, simply Jesus said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. It signifies the world's greatest completion, the finishing of the greatest task the world has ever known. The world debt was paid. Symbolisms had flown into reality. Now it was no more symbolic. It was demonstrated. It was active. It was real. Prophecies relative to Jesus Christ were fulfilled at this particular time. The seed of the woman had bruised the head of the serpent. 
And the Paschal lamb was offered up, and now his death was there. So he simply said, it's over, and it is finished. Jesus Christ, he followed life in proper sequence and in the context of time. John chapter 17, verse 14 a few hours before Jesus was nailed to the cross of Calvary, he said to his disciples, I have, in his prayer, he said, I have finished the work that God gave me to do. I have finished it. I have completed it. He knew the disciplines of seasons, that they, it was to be completed and completed at a particular time. Though he were God of the entire universe. He submitted himself to the reality of time segments. Himself said, are there not 12 months in the year? And so the, the measuring of time is a reality as far as this world is concerned. We must respect the time measurements and so on. And Jesus Christ himself did that. He did that. He knew the disciplines of the season. He knew all about that. I want to say very sincerely this morning that incompletion will destroy a person. Incompletion will destroy a contractor's uh, reputation. Incompletion will destroy a corporation. It doesn't matter how old it is or how strong it is if the work is not completed. So with fear and trembling, I come to stand before people here today that there are particular assignments that have come to you that no one else in this whole round world can take care of but you. That's right. And they are to be taken care of within their proper time frames. And in their particular seasons, it is like that. Incompletion will destroy individuals. It will destroy a church. Many years ago, I was a great admirer of a tremendous man who lived in Memphis, Tennessee. He's been in glory a long time now. He was a very visionary man, but somehow or another, he miscalculated. He started to build a church. They dug the mammoth hole for the basement. They poured the concrete basement floor. The strong walls of the basement were affixed. The Plumbing was stubbed up. The electrical also that had to come through the foundation, it was also stubbed up, and they ran out of money. The church, uh, the big holes yawned there, ugly, mocking, and degrading, energy-sucking, until finally there was no church. I do not... I am not surprised. In fact, I believe somehow or another that right now I am talking to someone here that there has not been something taken care of in your life that's supposed to be taken care of. And there is, as the Apostle Paul said, the last words he said, do your diligence, he said, to come before winter. There are some things, if they are not taken care of before winter, will never be taken care of. 
He knew that the sailing on the Mediterranean Sea was over with come winter. It was before winter or never. And so he said, in this season, I want you to take care of that. Get yourself here. Bring Mark with you. I confronted him one time. Yes, I did. I told him that he was wrong. He and I had words, but now it's different. Time has passed. I want to see him. He is profitable to me for the gospel. Bring that man here. Has there been any heat in some particular activity? Has there been any anger inserted into some situation? The thing has not been cooled. It has not been put together. It's not been fixed. It needs to be done before winter. It needs to be done before winter. Isaiah the verse 64 and 6 said, We fade as a leaf, and the wind cometh and takes us all away. All right. Also, while I was out walking, I looked for some uh, leaves, and I had a hard time finding leaves. Uh, the wind came somewhere here sometime and took them all away, it seemed. And <clears throat> the leaves that I found are not pretty. I wanted golden leaves, crimson, bright, and beautiful, but um, I didn't find any. So I don't guess I'll use them. But the leaves that I found are a parable of life. Some of them were uh, trapped in the confines of fence, and that's the only place I found them. Those that had been rested by obstruction and not been allowed to dance the merry way across the landscape, but had been brought to a soggy halt against the fence. Some of the leaves I found in the ditch out front of the evangelist quarters where the water had caught them and washed them through the trash and so on. I picked out a few. So is life. The obstructions we meet sometimes that stop us. And also the dirt that we encounter, the things that we are ashamed of. We wish it had never knocked upon the door of our family, of our kids, that it had not happened, that the newspaper didn't print it or the neighbors didn't know it, and so on. So it's ugly. Ugly leaves. Well, I wish I had some pretty leaves. Yes, sir. That come and are there for a while. And then the wind, other things, the snow, take them away. On the front lawn where I live are two massive fruitless mulberry trees. These kind of trees do tremendous in the desert for some reason. They're huge and trunks are large. They spill upon the ground every year in front of our house, no less than between 12 to 14 big bags of leaves. And I usually try to leave them there until they all come down. And I look at that tree and I say, oh, I wish you would come on down, get it over with, and we'll clean up this mess and so on. But uh, and I know it was a hang around there. What's a neighbor saying? Because the wind comes and fills his lawn with my leaves and all. And so that's, uh, that's the way it goes. 
I want to just uh, simply uh, share with you a little uh, jingle that has a meaning to it. I read long ago, and it's, it was about Freddie the Leaf. Freddie the Leaf uh, <clears throat> loved being a leaf. He lived in the top of a tall tree, and around him were many other leaves. But on the small branch that Freddie lived on, there was, uh, there was Clara, and there was, there was Sarah, and there was, there was John, and a few others. But the leap that uh, Freddie liked more than all was Daniel. It seemed like Daniel had been there all the time. He was the biggest leaf in the tree. He was broad, and it seemed like that he knew everything. He talked about the tree that they were a part of. He told them that uh, the tree was uh, in a park and that people came to relax there. And it was their particular purpose to give those people shade and also a covering that would hide the nests that the birds had built. And so uh, Daniel talked about these things. Freddie just loved being a leaf. He liked the sun coming up that would dry the dew away. He loved uh, the wind that caused the leaves to dance, and he loved the quietness also that gave them a chance to spread themselves and make the shade for the folks that came to the park. And so it was with Freddie the leaf. But summer had come, and it had passed, and autumn was near. It came one October night. He never was so cold. When the sun came up, he saw that the whole tree, the leaves in the tree were covered with a white coating. And Daniel said, that's frost. And at once it seemed like the leaves in the whole park changed colors, such brilliant colors. And some were red, some were brown, some were gold. Daniel was gold. He, and it seemed like Freddie was a mixture of all of that. And it, it was beautiful, but it didn't last long. One day the wind came like it never had before, and it lashed out at the leaves, and it tugged at them, and it tore some of them off of the branches and carried them in long sweeps away, and they were gone. And the others were damaged in such a way that they just quietly turned loose, and they fell. So Freddie confessed to Daniel, said, I'm afraid. What's happening? And Daniel said, we're fixing to change homes. We're going to leave the tree. Where are we going, Daniel? We're going to fall. We're going to go to the ground. People call it dying. Dying. What is dying? That's when we change and that we're not alive anymore. That's going to happen. I'm not going to die. Are you going to die, Daniel? Yes, we're all going to die. There's a season and there's a time and that will happen to us too. And so it was that they went down one by one. And when Freddie saw them fall, I guess it must be their time. I guess it must be their time. And Daniel went down at the close of a day and Finally, Freddie was the only one in the tree. 
And that morning it snowed. And he was wrapped up with it. And he felt so heavy. And he just hung there helpless. Early the next morning, the wind came that took him away. He fell down, and this was the first time he saw the trunk of the tree and how big it was and so on. As he fell, he saw it. Maybe that was what Paul's talking about, you know, on his way down. He looked at it good. And his surmising was, I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And the finish is written into the script. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. There are seasons. There are things that go into the seasons. There are things that are written into it, folks. It certainly, certainly is. Yes, sir. And he dropped upon a pile of snow, and it was so soft. He was never so comfortable in all of his life. And closed his eyes, he went to sleep. First Chronicles 29 and 30 spoke of David and the times that went over him and another time in a frame. Some of the frames are weeks and they're frames of years and frames of months, frames of seasons passing over and in each one of those there are particular things that are supposed to mature and grow and to come into place. If I am talking today to somebody here that you are careless in your judgment, that you are smirky in your decisions and proud in all of your discipline, don't do that. There are realities, my friend, that will break me. There are realities that will break you. Yes, sir. There are frames that are never erased. There are frames of time that are never moved. There are seasons that are absolutely true. There's a season that comes in maturing life. And I think that uh, from the time that a person is born until they reach 30, that they're in the process of learning the things that's necessary to negotiate life and to make the relationships that they need to make and to get some things straight, education and <clears throat> whatever else that goes with it. Psalms 9 and 12, the prayer of David was this, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Let me be careful with my time. Time is a precious thing. It is that particular product that determines the failure or success of a home, of a life, of many other things. And time is the stuff that the season is made out of. Come before winter. Do your diligence to come before winter. This is what the great apostle said. Yes, sir. Life, it is said, is <laughs> made up like a series of shelves as you go through these particular time frames. And on every shelf, there are things that you're supposed to work your way through and secure and so on. Woe to the person that wants to skip 
shelf three and four, maybe even five, and jump up to shelf six. And suddenly, I am a resident of shelf six. It doesn't work that way. I have three children. The oldest one is a girl. I love my boys very, very much. But I never cared for them in the way I cared for my daughter. Still to this day at age 56, when I visit her, before I leave, there's that sitting down and calling her. Datha, come sit in my lap. Come sit in my lap, girl. You're still daddy's girl. And Datha comes and sits in my lap. And I hug her because she's my girl. Yes, sir. She had drive. She had spunk. She, she just really liked to go wide open. I never shall forget sitting in the den one day, and she walked in and kind of prissing like, you know, and, and she was uh, too young to be trying to occupy the shelf she was uh, trying to get on. And she, she said, hey, Daddy, said, uh, how do you like my holes? Holes! And she had the holes on. Well, I was just an old-fashioned poor farm boy, you know, and, and girls, they wear socks and and. So on, they wore socks a long time. There's my girl, and she got those. And I looked at, she said, you like them, Dad? I said, well, I can tell you what you can do with them. And she said, what's that? I said, you can get back in your room and pull those things off. I said, you're still a girl. Enjoy life. Uh, don't try to jump over this stuff. Let's, let's take it like it comes. Yeah. Is there something? Somebody's life that you tried to cheat on, that you can overstep it. I don't have to do that. Not for me. I'll jump up here. I won't take care of that. It'll haunt you. It'll come back somehow or another to catch you. Yes, it will. The seasons of life. Yes, sir, that we should live them well because that <clears throat> they are one of life's great realities. So I read in the newspaper not too long ago, of uh, a 32-year-old woman disappeared. Foul play. She was kidnapped. Perhaps she's dead. After about two or three months, they found her. She was in a motel with an 18-year-old boy. And the investigation of this, that what would cause this woman, mother, and all of this... She, she hears this single boy, why? And one of the offerings there was this. She married very young. She, she wanted to skip some shelves. She didn't hang around with the dating and with the fun that goes with youth. And she didn't care to be a vivacious, laughing teenager and enjoying life. Just come up here. This book is right. Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art to dust returnest. Was not spoken of the soul. You don't cheat on it. No, you don't cheat on it. Yes, sir. There comes the seasons of lifelong relationships that after... 30, on up at least to 45. That's when you, you 
raising those kids. That's, uh, that's when you're really making your marriage uh, successful. It's either working or it's not working. It's either going downhill or it's, it's progressing like it's supposed to in that particular frame of time. And Mark, the 14th chapter, verse uh, 7, Jesus Christ himself said, Me you have not with you always. There is a time frame here. I came into your life here. I will leave your life here. Between here and there, we have this association and this fellowship. Something screams out within me just now that says, Grab it! Take hold of it. Don't let it get away. Use it. Do what you're supposed to do now in your family and with your children, with your fellow man. Amen. Yeah. Yes, sir. We need to do that. The marriage relation, the child relation. Here's to you, young man, before you start. With the light in your eye and the song in your heart. With your hopes and your plans, but take it from me. You better be good to that old man that you're going to be. Because you're building the house where that old man will buy. You're chain, making him pictures that time will not hide. You're chiseling the wall of his long memory. You better be good to the old man that you're going to be. We don't skip the shelves and get by with it. No, we don't. In the Sunday school classes right now, there is being formed the husbands and the wives of tomorrow. And the kids that are there in this Sunday school now, what kind of husband is he'll be? How, what kind of wife would she be? Yeah. As I said, I love my boys. But I've made my living since I was 13 years old. I was left an orphan at age 13. And uh, I did a man's work, as much work as I could. And uh, so I come up that way. I was not a good dad. I just expected too much out of my boys. It just, yeah, you better get it, and uh, so on. Terry, my oldest boy, I was coming home one night. I was in home mission work at that time, and I was dog tired. I wanted to get back to St. Louis, but in time I knew it was dangerous for me to be on the road. So I pulled into a little motel. I was asleep by the time I hit the bed. I did not sleep long. Bang! There came a dream to me. I saw Terry burdened down with a load. And he was going to step over a low wall without taking off his packages. And he stumbled and he fell. Blink, it was over. I knew what. I sprang out of bed. Dear God, I said, I knew what God had just said. You're expecting too much of your boy. You overloaded him. You better watch it. It could get dangerous there. 
I threw everything back in that suitcase. It was black dark. I was in my car. I was headed again for St. Louis, and I was praying, oh, God, help me to get to St. Louis before Terry goes to school. So I was so gratified when I saw that he was still there. Piled out of my car, rushed into the house, slid in beside my 15-year-old boy. Yeah, expect too much. One of the first things I would want to usually say, I want to say you, see your ledger, see how your business is going. Let me look at your checkbook. What are you doing to get new customers and so on? And what, what's, what's, what's happening? And so pressure, pressure, never good enough. But it was different that morning. Slid in beside him, hugged him. Man, I'm glad to see you, Terry. So good to be your dad. You're, you're a fellow that any dad would be proud of. Squeezed his arm. How's it going, man? Hey, yeah. One time around. Don't come back. He'll never be 15 again. Yeah. We passed this way once, and that is it. Yeah. That's it. Well, maybe so. Dirty or not. The leaves come down. I was in general board meeting at Brother S.G. Norris was bringing the Bible study. General board, just a brief study before we got into business. And he used an illustration I never forgot. He said, in our church in St. Paul, there was a 13-year-old girl that took leukemia. Her parents loved her tremendously. Finally, the doctor told them, I'm going to dismiss her from the hospital. There's nothing that we can do. She would be happier at home. And you need to be there so you can be with her. The blood was already covered her teeth with its black clot. Blood also was in the corner of her eyes. And uh, there's no hope for her. The mother was demanding no hope. How long am I going to have my girl with me? She pinned him down. And finally, he just simply said, before the leaves come down, she will be gone. So a few days later, her, her husband came in from work, and as he drove in the driveway, the little tree that stood beside the girl's window, he saw his wife under it, and a large stepladder, reaching up, reaching up, with thread in her hands. He walked around, and he said, what in the world are you doing? And she simply said, I'm tying on the leaves so they won't come down. Yeah, but the leaves will come down. I might be talking today to somebody here that you're not in the Bible. But with, in other ways, with some frail thread of life, 
You're trying to tie on the leaves so they won't come down. My friend, you're going to do it God's way or it won't be done at all. That's right. That's right. That's one of the facts of life. It's one of the facts of life. Praise God. I need to... To close. <clears throat> yes, sir, we face reality. I've been married to my wife 61 years. <clears throat> this coming August would be 62 years. She's the only girl I ever dated, the only girl I ever held her hand. If possible, I love her now more than I've ever loved her in my life. Because there's so much many pluses to it. I don't know why. She takes she takes all uh, she takes uh, Parkins. Some people can go years with it. She has gone down. She's gone down. I curtail my preaching. I'm very happy to be with her. I enjoy being with her. Through the night. I go to her bed, and I see that she's covered up. I don't go to sleep until after I have tucked her in. And uh, I do as much of the housework as I possibly know how to do and can do, the dishwashing, the vacuuming, and all of that. And uh, Thanksgiving. She wanted some folks to come to our house, as always, for Thanksgiving. You can't do that. I said, you, know, you, can't, you can't entertain no more. I think I can. I'm, I'm going to plan it well. I'm going to, just going to do one thing at a time, one day at a time. And we got the refrigerator on the back porch, and we put the stuff in there to keep, and, and um, we can do it. And she wore herself out. When I got her back to the bedroom and got her in the bed, she couldn't go any further on a particular day. In fact, Thanksgiving Day. As I tucked her in, she said, "Um, you're fixing to set the table, aren't you? And I said, yes. She said, I want you to put our best plates on the table. That's only the third time they've been used. Nice. They're, They're just decoration. Glass door on the cabinet there where they can be seen. Use my best plates. Yeah. I know why. You're saying it and you're not saying it. This will be the last Thanksgiving I can ever entertain. Okay. So I knelt down yesterday beside her bed. And we prayed together. Stood up to go. She reached out her little jerky hand. Took my hand. You're my handsome husband, she said. When I'm gone, I want you to be a better preacher than you've ever been. I want you to keep going. 
You can do your greatest work after I'm gone. Yeah. Realities of life. Last season is winter. And my little woman <clears throat> faces winter. Autumn is a symbol of brevity of life's opportunities. It's beautiful, but it doesn't last. Paul said, 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, For I'm ready to be offered up, and my departure's at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. I'm ready to be offered up. Yes, sir. Verse 9, do thy diligence to come to me shortly. Time, time. You can't stop it. Shortly. I'm running out of time. Verse 11, take Mark and bring him with me. When the curtain is rung down, I want to be sure that everything is okay. Bring Mark along. Cloak I left to Troas with a carpus. Bring it and bring the books and especially the parchments when you come. Verse 21. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Yes, sir, it's before winter or never. A lot of things are never done unless they're done before winter. Winter will come and winter will go. But when the frost is no more and when the ground begins to warm, the flowers will come and they will bloom. They'll bloom upon the graves of some particular opportunities, long dead and past, never to be resurrected. Perhaps bloom upon the graves of somebody that we hoped that we could have had the last conversation with and we just felt the need of it to talk it over. Yes, sir. Golden gates, my folks, are open now that are soon to be forever closed. Yes, they are. Tides of opportunity run at flood time, but already starting to ebb. Time is like that. There are voices that are speaking to somebody in this congregation today that will not be speaking come spring. If you want to hear what they've got to say, you've got to listen before winter. From so much of winter, it's before winter or it's never. Finally, we give, have Veterans Day at our church every year. I notice what is written about Veterans Day in the newspaper. And <clears throat> on that particular day, a woman sent in a letter that she had written that could never be delivered to the one she wrote it to because he was dead. And in her letter, which she, it was printed, she, she said, I remember so many things about us. I, I, I remember the day that you um, wanted to, I wanted to go to the beach, and 
you said, no, it's going to rain tomorrow. And I just kept it up, and we went anyway, and it did rain. I knew that you was going to say, I told you so, but you didn't. I remember when you came to show me your new car, I asked you if I could drive it. And when I drove it, I bent the fender. I thought that you'd kill me, but you didn't. I remember when we were at such and such a party, and I just wanted to make you mad. I flirted with all the boys, and, and it did make you mad. I thought you was going to drop me, but you didn't. And so many things I'd looking forward to making up to you when you came back and talking to you and fixing it up with you when you came back, but you didn't. Yeah. So come little leaves, said the wind one day. <clears throat> come over the meadow with me and play. Put on your dresses of yellow and gold, for summer is come and the weather is cold. Soon as the little leaves heard the loud wind's loud call, down they came fluttering, one and all. Soon they were fast asleep in their bed, and the snow laid a white blanket over their head. Not pretty leaves. They've seen a hurricane. They were stopped by the fence. They were washed into the ditch. There's a lot of things to life that's not pretty. Praise God. If I preached in a way today that seemed like I was just putting something together, that's the last thing I wanted to do. I want to reach out to somebody that I may never see again. I passed this way one time. It's a nice place to pray. It's what church is for. Thank God. Talk to the Lord. I'd like to pray with you this morning. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Come before winter. We better get it done before winter. Praise God. Praise God. Let's have a good family prayer around this front this morning. What do you think about that? And you know, it may be that I might have spoken to somebody, this might be your first time in this church. That don't make one bit of difference. Every one of us, church member or not, we all still have our problems. We have our needs, and we all try, and we reach out. Why don't you come pray with us? Praise God. Why don't you come pray with us? Shall we come? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Glory to God. We appreciate the Lord. Appreciate your coming. I'm looking forward to praying with you. You're my brothers and sisters. That's right. Amen. Yes, sir. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, yeah. We need God more than we need anything in this whole round world. Yes, we do. Let's do. There's something perhaps you need to talk to God about here today. Something that you need help in. Relationships are sometimes the most tedious things of life. Most difficult, it looks like. Let's all put our hands up. Let's talk to God together here. Praise God. Praise God. We appreciate you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, God, for your mercy. You are so wonderful. You are so precious, God. We don't even know our own hearts, God. We don't even know our own selves. You know all things, and you love us like a father loves his children. Help us, Jesus. Help us. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Say it to me, Jesus. Say it to me. Say it to me. Say it to me. Talk to me, God, because I don't know the way. Oh, God, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me, God. Praise thy gracious name. Praise thy mighty name. Praise thy marvelous name. You're so wonderful. You're so great. You're so real. Glory to your precious name, your precious name. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Okay, my brothers. Okay, my sisters. How is it? How is it, really? How is it, my brother? How is it, my sister? Oh, yeah. We don't have anything to brag about, do we? Do we? No, no. This man up here don't. I don't have nothing to brag about. I only stand by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to your precious name, your righteous name, your gracious name. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. How good God is, how good God is, how good God is. Oh, thank God, thank God. Let's just open our hearts, church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Bless your sweet name, bless your sweet name.
the Lord has tried to tell us this morning. What the paramount things in our life that should take precedence and should be the top priorities. But human nature, we have such a way of being so careless with our own lives. Sometimes we're careless of how we raise our children, thinking that they're not watching and they're not paying attention to our own actions. And then we grow up and get older and some of us are dealt situations of having to bail our kids out of jail and trying to intervene with our children on drugs. But we don't think about that when we, when we have that newborn. It's just our life and it's just how we're going to act and it's just what I am and it's just what I need to do and life wasn't fair to me so I'm going to try to get life back. Try to live it how I want to live it. But the preacher has preached to us today. Be careful how you be careful how you treat life. Be careful how you handle your own life. Be careful how you handle your children. I always lean on the promises of Proverbs 22 and 6. When it said, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've made mistakes as a dad. But there's one thing I've always tried to do. I've always tried to tell my kids, this is the most important thing you'll ever do, is attend the house of God. Obey what the preacher preaches. Live for God to the best of your ability. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything that pertains to church, I've tried to instill that. And the reason that I did is because I had a dad and mom. But sometimes I didn't understand the things they told me to do. And I rebelled against some of the things they told me to do. But when I faced the hardship of life and I faced a winter, it was when I looked back and I saw back at Dad's house there was still spring. There was still a summer. And I said, Lord, if you'll let me get back to that side, I'll never leave it again. I don't know who the Holy Ghost is talking to today. But you need to be careful how you're living your life. Be careful what your actions are. Be careful. We have a lot of friends around this altar today. 
And I want us as the Eastwood family, and if you see someone you do not know or they do not attend this church, I want us to just gather ourselves together and hug somebody's neck. I want us to pray for each other before we leave here. Just, just grab somebody by the shoulder, by the hand, whatever. Just make yourself available to those that don't know a lot about this. I want us to pray for each other that whatever we need to do in our own lives, that that we'll get some things lined up, that we'll get us back on track. And every one of us have shortcomings and we fall short sometimes and we keep battling and we keep pushing and we keep... But there's one thing for sure. There are some things that are absolutes that we know to do. There are attacks that come that sometimes we didn't ask for and there were situations in life that sometimes we did not expect. But there are some things that we know to do and those things that we know to do are the things that's going to keep us and it's going to allow God to work in our life for us. But let's pray that we don't push the Lord back. Let's pray that we don't push His provision away. Pray that you don't Allow his hands to be tied in your family and in your own life. Let's pray right now and ask the Lord, Lord, see my life today. Here I am, transparent before you, Lord. You know me. You know who we are. You know who I am. If there are some things that you need to straighten out, convict me of those things. Show me those things. Spotlight them to me that I could take care of them from what I heard today for the word of God that you told me. Take care of these things before winter. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us as your children, Lord. 